The Holy Gospel according to John. After this, there was a festival of the Jews, and the Jews went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep's Gate, there is a pool called in Hebrew Bethsaida, which has five porticos. In these lay many individuals, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. Jesus said to him, Stand up, take your mat, and walk. At once the man was well, and he took up his mat and began to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Do you want to be made well? Grace, peace, and love from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you want to be made well? It was not the only option for a gospel this Sunday. The lectionary had two options, but this gospel was the one that spoke to me. It was an odd question that Jesus posed. Do you want to be made well? You have to think. Who is it that wouldn't want to be made well? And the answer was very dear to me, and then my story came to me. For 10 years, I worked in Marlboro State Psychiatric Hospital in New Jersey. It was the largest psychiatric hospital in the state, over 1,500 patients. I had always been attracted to work with the mentally ill. As some of you know, I started my call to ministry as a registered nurse. I felt called to help people in some way. I worked the first year of nursing school uh, grad after graduation in the operating room. What a drag. I quickly found out that there was no patient-nurse interaction in the operating room. It wasn't relational. I was working pretty much on parts of the body, an appendix, a gallbladder, whatever, never talking to any degree to the patients. And when I did talk with them before surgery, they had already received some pre-medication. They were sleepy. And after the surgery, talking was mostly, uh, Mr. Jones, wake up, the surgery is over. And Mr. Jones would pretty much respond, what? Oh, uh, mama. To which I would respond, yes, Mr. Jones, everything went well. I'm taking you to the recovery room. To which he would respond, well, if you say so. And it was not for me, just not for me. I like to engage people. I need to talk to you. I need to hear your story. I need to listen to you. I left that job and pursued and was hired as a head nurse in the state psychiatric hospital. It's very easy to get that job. I really did it now. I went from no conversation with patients to pretty much all talk. 
It's called free association. And usually psychotic patients, when they met with you, would gladly tell you something that sounded like an E.E. E. Cummings poem. Here's one conversation I remember. But then I told her that I didn't need another mother. But that reminds me that I haven't called my mother in a while. How's your mother? I remember she gave me Kool-Aid once after soccer practice. I used to be really good at soccer. Well, not good, good, but decent, enough to get a scholarship to a correspondence school. And are you going to give us a smoke break? I had a favorite patient. He was Hispanic. His name was Celso. He was a Marianello who came when Castro emptied the hospitals and sent all the mentally ill patients on boats to the United States. Celso was very delusional at times. And when I got there in the morning, he would always greet me in some bizarre way. One morning he said to me as I was opening the door, Nikki, I saw you on the Johnny Carson show last night. You were very good. How could I not love Celso? And I loved it. It was home. I enjoyed the patients. We were actually successful in treating some of them, caring for them, so much so that I became a nursing supervisor in the forensic unit. The forensic unit was the care area for the most intractable cases. Many of these patients were the criminally insane. They were murderers who were found not guilty by reason of insanity, or patients that were difficult to get back into the mainstream area of the hospital or even to a halfway house. Some had prefrontal lobotomies, a treatment that was supposed to make violent patients docile. It was not very effective. Some patients were so unreachable that they had no reality orientation. But I still loved them. I cared for them. Some were in a state facility for 25 years, for 30 years, and some probably 38 years. Sound familiar? Then came a special drug, clozapine. It was a miracle psychotropic medication, a major tranquilizer that brought about amazing results. In some patients, all symptoms of schizophrenia disappeared. We started on the road to get some of these long-term patients into less restrictive areas like group homes or have the courts re-examine their cases. When we told the patients that they were going to get, that we were going to get them discharged from the unit, something interesting happened. They sabotaged their exit from my unit by physically attacking members of the staff. I myself had my soldier shoulder dislocated by a patient. Some staff were threatened with death threats, none of which can be tolerated, and such behavior stopped their process of discharge. It was not hard to figure out that what we were up against was that the patients were institutionalized. This was all that they knew for years, possibly for some, our gospel's 38 years. The patients were threatened by the loss 
of their condition, the loss of their lifestyle, that as bad as it may be, they were in fact self-actualized to some extent and we cared for them in an institutional context. They were not going to go anywhere if they could help it. And so to the man at the pool in Bethsaida, and however you pronounce it, it means house of mercy. And mercy was going to happen today. We are focusing on the man who is at the side of the pool waiting for a miracle to happen. The water had to be stirred up and it would happen a couple of times a day and you'd have to get into the water while it was stirred in order to get healed. He was at the side of the pool waiting for a miracle to happen. He had been sick for 38 years and considering the lifespan at that time, he had been sick and at this pool most of his life. He really knows nothing better. He's accustomed to the life of an invalid, unable to do for himself, dependent on others for some meager donations. And Jesus knows him, knows he has been there most of his life at the pool near the sheep gate, a gate we know that Jesus is accustomed to using. He would have seen this man many times in John's gospel as Jesus travels to Jerusalem often in John and enters by the sheep's gate. Today, Jesus is determined to see this man and hear his story. A good psychiatric nurse in his own way. Jesus wants to hear him. But Jesus has a question. Do you want to be made well? And almost before Jesus gets the words out, do you want to be made well? Maybe even without hearing the whole question, the man who cannot walk launches into his story. You can almost see his hands extended. Sir, I have... I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am making my way, someone else steps down ahead of me. It is short and to the point. It is a well-rehearsed story and designed to make people dig deep into their pockets. The man had been telling it for decades. He isn't expecting healing. He is expecting pity and some charity. This story has maybe kept him in this institutional state, keeping him alive in some type of meager living. He has been institutionalized at his station by the pool, and Jesus knows him. But the question that is asked to the man is, why haven't you bathed in the healing waters of the pool? That question, it seems, is too absurd to contemplate. 38 years is far too long for no one to have done anything for this man. It is impossible to think that this man could have been laying a few feet from healing for most, almost four decades. Thus Jesus' question, do you want to be made well? Jesus presumes nothing. He heals and then closes down the institution. He says to the man in in a way, it's time to leave this lifestyle. So stand up and pick up your mat and walk. And the man seemed to react. 
to his deinstitutionalization well. He did have a conversation with those who asked how he was healed, but for me, I wonder why we could not be successful saying in essence to our patients, pick up your mat and walk. It may be that the answer to institutionalization is to shut down the institution. I don't know. It is what Jesus did in essence by healing the man. You have no reason to be here now. Get up and go. Now find a different way to live. And maybe it takes divine intervention to have a successful deinstitutionalization. Marlboro Psychiatric Hospital is no more. It closed its doors. It said in a way to the patients, pick up your mat and walk. But it gave them little support. Many stopped taking their medications. Many are homeless and many found their way to jail and prisons. My heart still breaks for them lost souls. I hope they find the love of Jesus and the grace of God in their lives, for we can only hope for them, pray for them, that one day they will pick up their mat and walk. So what went wrong in mental health that made our deinstitutionalization unsuccessful? How did we as a society go wrong? What I see in this gospel is that Jesus saves the man by caring for him as a person, by turning him from a problem into a human being. Before the man ever takes a step, Jesus welcomes him. He asks him, what do you want? Jesus welcomes this man back into life. We missed, we missed, sadly, years ago, by not treating the mentally ill as people, we treated them as inhuman, not one of us. Our relationship with them was controlling them, storing them, sequestering them, locking them away, locking them up, even punishing them. Maybe we should have engaged them, loved them, and asked them, do you want to be made well? It's so easy to love so easy, and we fail to do it. And love comes before healing, my brothers and sisters, because God loves you, and so do I.